0: And welcome back, everyone, to Double Down with Bresla, where we cover everything going on in the world of sports betting. I should say the business of sports betting. Today, we've got somebody who is a genuine expert when it comes to uh, legalized sports betting here in the United States. been covering it for a long time as an analyst and a journalist. He's currently with the Legal Sports Report. Dustin Gauker, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me on. Uh, seems like overdue that I'm on this on this show because I've been yeah I've been doing this for almost a decade now. So
0: yeah, well you need to have your own podcast. Have you had a podcast on the subject?
1: Yeah, I mean Legal Sports Reports had a podcast that I've done. Uh, we did. I, I just stepped away from that, but did about 200 episodes of that one as well. And uh, I don't know, do a Substack where hopefully I'll do some audio video rants as well in addition to my writing. So
0: yeah, cool. And and tell us a little bit about, about Legal Sports Report. Where where are they out of?
1: Yeah. So uh, back into that's funny. I'm working on a Wikipedia page about legal sports report. So, uh, but we uh, started. 2014, I wasn't there at the beginning, but it was started in 2014 as uh, just covering daily fantasy sports. I joined in 2015, kind of starting to report on DraftKings and FanDuel and the rise of daily fantasy sports and um, just started getting bigger and bigger. We started covering sports betting as well with the Supreme Court case prior to 2018. And then this wave, then obviously the wave of legalization um, around that. We were bought by Catena uh, Media in 2017, and I worked for that company and uh, for a long time and still consult for them on the side.
0: Cool. And everything's only gotten bigger and bigger uh, as time has gone by. It's funny that I'm I'm curious if you were thinking much about this at the time as, you know, fantasy sports was becoming big, DraftKings and FanDuel. It never occurred to me at the time that those companies would ultimately become just full fledged sports books. I don't know if they had it in mind or knew that, hey, we're getting in on the ground floor and we're doing fantasy with the whole idea that we're going to be sports books. But I remember when they started legalizing online betting, even then, I wasn't convinced that those guys were going to be the biggest players. But in retrospect, it was kind of stupid of me not to see that because they already had the built in uh, player base and which gave them just a huge advantage over the competition.
1: Yeah, I was with you where I wasn't sure they'd be able to make that transition either. They were definitely. You know, they were serving daily fantasy as a product that, you know, there wasn't legal sports betting in most of the country outside of Nevada. So they were serving a product that was, you know, as close to sports betting as I guess as you could get back then legally. And then there was obviously all this this wave of Questions around legality and regulation and things like that, but Fanduel. I'm not sure Fanduel was ready. They were acquired by uh, by a large company in Europe that turned them into a sportsbook brand very quickly. DraftKings, to their credit, uh, in the year leading up to the decision in 2018 by the U.S. Supreme Court that that overturned that federal ban, they were getting ready for that and then hit the ground running. They were like, they were the first app uh, to go live in New Jersey and in, uh, in later in 2018. So uh, you know, I think I think I was one of the ones who was skeptical as well. But you're right. This those databases. They, they the brands were well known and uh you know it seems it seems obvious in retrospect but i'm not sure it was that obvious or or even needed to be that way uh, in retrospect but it was it, it's the way it happened for sure
0: yeah all right well you make me feel a little bit Better that uh, you 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 had the same uh, question I had, um, so yeah, I thought we'd do a little round robin here of talking about some of the various companies and the various states as, as far as you know where things sit today in sports betting. You know who's doing it well and who's not doing it well. So um, when it comes to the states and what they're allowing and how they've approved it. You know, one of the big issues is, is, is taxing, taxing it, you know, and we've got the same thing with legalizing marijuana, you, you know, in California, that's a general belief, I guess, that it's been overtaxed and and therefore they haven't really rooted out the illegal market by creating the legal market. Um, so what can you share with us generally as far as what you see with the states and where they set the tax rates and whether it's created a problem anywhere?
1: Yeah, I mean it's the the place you start is New York, where it's the highest, right? It's a a fifty one percent tax rate. If you lop on uh, licensing fees and things like that, the the you know effective tax rate is even higher than that. And you've seen, you know, New York obviously the biggest market in the United States right now. Um, and it has lots of operators, but you're you're gonna see, I think, a pullback because they're doing because these companies, DraftKings, FanDuel, and everybody else who's in New York right now is pulling back on marketing. And that's going to eventually lead to fewer players and fewer people being retained because they're not doing the same marketing in New York that they're doing everywhere else. They're not paying to acquire customers in the same way. And uh, you know they don't offer the same promotions, things like that, because it's a more expensive business in New York, and, and to keep you have to they need to at least break even, or and hopefully not lose money. So New York's the example. Like it's you know they, they set records for how much money is being bet and all of that. You see those headlines, but in the background, I think that you know it has taken a toll on these companies, and they're not trying as hard in that in that in New York as they are in other states where you know they're still spending a lot of money on promotions and advertising and things like that to acquire customers. Pennsylvania maybe not quite as extreme, but still a pretty high tax rate in the thirty percentile um, there. And then everywhere else, you know, a little bit more reasonable. It allows for, you know, more healthy competition. Um, there's lower barriers to entry so that there's more competition, more sports books. But like, you know, one of the things that is like New York is also a limited market where not everybody who wants to be in New York can be. And, you know, that push and pull of uh, of all of that kind of makes it difficult for, you know, a fully robust and healthy marketplace for for U.S. Mm. sports betting.
0: So when we talk about tax rates, what exactly are they taxing?
1: They're usually taxing gross gaming revenue, which uh, this gets really into the weeds. But some places you can deduct promotional spending, which is where you give, you know, you say uh, deposit $500, you get $500 match. Sometimes that is, you know counted off and not not taxed at all and that's how some of these companies are you know trying to grow and acquire customers is to do that and you know you can then deduct it depending on the state and again varies widely uh, by by state by state in some states you know they they're also not paying a whole lot of taxes that's the other other side of this coin is that if they're able to deduct a lot of money of, from their revenue because of promotional spend and they're also not really making money for states, which is one of the reasons why we had states, you know, rushing to legalize this over the last five years. So, mm-hmm. um, so usually it's revenue. It's you know, there's also the federal tax on excise tax on on handle, which is every dollar wagered. It's 0.25 percent is supposed to be uh, sent to the federal government uh, because of a, a long time law that existed well before any of this started. Um, so there's there's a lot of taxation going on, and you know, it's a I mean, I'm sure you and your listeners know it's a low margin business to start with. With. So, you know, when you get these higher tax rates, when you lot when you add on the federal excise tax, it's, you know, it's not a not necessarily the great business to be in unless you're doing it at scale like a DraftKings and a FanDuel or, or an MGM. And then you but you you also have online casino out there, which these a lot of these companies are involved in, which is a much higher margin business and, and the business that most of them want to be in long term uh, as a companion to sports betting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's another interesting thing to talk about is is online casino. All the attention is on sports betting, but the truth is, uh, is it, isn't it, it your view that online casino, meaning basically people can play slot machines sitting in their homes, that ultimately that would be far more profitable to, to these companies than sports betting?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the question is how quick adoption will be. You know, There's going to be more than a handful of states where legislation is introduced next year. Or and considered, I'm not sure anything will pass. But New York is one of those states where they're, they're again going to have legislation at least floating around, and whether it gets to the finish line, it's you know probably a pretty big underdog right now. But that's where it's all headed uh, over a long enough time frame. You know, we we already have a handful of states. New Jersey actually legalized online casino and poker uh, before all of the sports betting legalization happened uh, back in I think late 2011. Started in 2012, and then we have Michigan and Pennsylvania and West Virginia and. Uh, the, a little bit of poker in Nevada and a few other places with a few things, but that's going to grow. That's you know we've had this wave of legalization of sports betting, um, but you know once P- once the land based casinos kind of get out of their head that this is really going to cannibalize their their business, I think you'll see more adoption of online casino by states and legislatures and, and regulators around the country.
0: Mm-hmm. So, w- which states have online casino right now? Where you can yeah, I, try, I, I tried to call.
1: Yeah, I tried to come up with a list off the top of my head. It's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Delaware, Michigan, West Virginia, and I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm probably forgetting one. I was don't have that list in front of me, but it's and, it's a handful. And,
0: and is FanDuel and DraftKings I presume offers the full casino?
1: Yeah, they're, um, they're they're you know depending on the state they are the leader. Uh, MGM is usually is sometimes the leader as well. You know, DraftKings famously bought Golden Nugget, which was the leader in New Jersey online casino at the time of the purchase. I'd say um, so they you know made that purchase with the idea of you know making their their online casino business better. And even though it is in just you know you know we're talking about online sports betting, that's in you know uh, upwards of twenty states now. Online casino is still just this handful of states where, where there's really just, there's, 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 they're making a lot more money off of honestly a uh, per state on, on online casino than they are there. And yes, because of their, you know, their online gambling in their, in their DNA now that they're very good at the, that and cross sell between sports book and casino as well. You know, again, I think MGM's probably is more of a, of a top three with them uh, rather than a, a distant of, in, in online casino. They're kind of a distant number three in, in sports betting right now.
0: And and what do the revenue numbers look like in those states? Is in fact, casino um generating more revenue than sports betting?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's the uh, no, not. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, it's you know be- because of volume sometimes with sports betting, there's there's it's comparable, but generally in any given month, um, it's definitely higher. You know, it's also not as dependent on the sports season. Right now, we're in the midst of NFL and football and NBA and NHL starting. This is when there's the most activity, but you know, those, those, you know, the spring months, summer ones, when there's just not as much sports going on, that's when, um, you know, online casino is kind of uh, immune to that. And there's just more activity and it's a, it's a more stable business that you're not depending on quarter to quarter uh, like you are in sports yeah. betting, where you're depending on this, all this interest right, right now in the fall.
0: Yeah. So it's just amazing. We were saying that, you know, we we're both kind of surprised that FanDuel and DraftKings was able to shift from fantasy to regular sports betting, but they've also shifted to full-fledged casino, which is actually much bigger. And it almost seems like kind of the tail wagging the dog that these sports, these fantasy companies are going to end up being the largest online casino companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, FanDuel is owned by a like a, an international company, Flutter. That's you know, it's a, this is what they do. They, the FanDuel was bought to be the US brand of that. So it's that once that acquisition happened, it was not necessarily a shock that that happened. And again, even though they're sports brands, like they' they're brands that you're familiar with. and you know if you if you ha- they had, like you said at the beginning, if you have them as a DFS user, you know they're interested in gambling right they're interested in sports betting and then you have, then you can cross sell them to, to to casino as well so it all does make, it does make a lot of sense in retrospect but it also like that online casino pivot not necessarily you know had to happen either they have done a very good job creating online casinos that customers want marketing those casinos and you know just being one of the leaders in the in the space uh, you know you can go back in time 5 years ago none of this was like like I said, not, this is not written down and still in the DraftKings and FanDuel we're going to win any of this. And they are you know, the market leaders, like you said, both in sports betting and, and now in online casino as well.
0: Well, it's also actually, in fact, a, a pretty different um, market when you're talking about a sports better versus somebody who plays a slot machine. I mean, that historically, you think of the the blue hairs playing mm-hmm. the slot machines versus a younger men doing sports betting. So um, how have they been able to cross sell over to a, a totally different clientele?
1: Yeah, it's not always crossed. I mean, the, the sports better likes to play poker. We know that from a long, like that's, you know, poker has been around a long time. We know that also sports betters like playing table games like blackjack. That's a, a that's a large part of that as well. It's not just online slot machines. You can play, you know, blackjack uh, roulette, whatever you want really um, in most states that have legalized it. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it comes down in, in casino. I think it's more it comes down to products. Like it's pretty homogenous in sports betting. Like there's good product and bad product, but it's the same basic experience. Like casino, I think there's a wide variety, wide difference in in those experiences. And then just being good at marketing the players again, like on like, like sports betting, it's very easy. You know, like DraftKings, Fanduel, like those their names are synonymous now. Like if you don't know they're offering a sports book, you're probably not really awake. But uh, casino, it's like again letting them letting users know that this exists. You know, being out there in, in search, being out there with marketing, being out. They've done a good, really good job of like having a good product and then getting that product in front of of users who who would want to use it
0: so in a pretty short period of time America has gone from pretty much Vegas and Atlantic City brick and mortar land-based only to slot machines in everyone's home sitting on everyone's computer in their home I I mean you know that is a dramatic dramatic shift and typically people were thought oh my gosh can you imagine the gambling problems we're going to have if we allowed people to sit in their homes and click a button and every three <laughs> seconds spin reels? I mean, you know, we're going to have a nation of, of gambling addicts and, and a huge societal problem.
1: To be fair, I think we have some 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 research that's showing more problems around problem gambling, you know, that that varies and maybe we weren't capturing a whole lot of it. It's not like people couldn't bet on sports before you can go offshore and bet on a number of online casinos and sports books and online poker rooms before five years ago or 10 years ago when New Jersey launched online casino. And what I think what softened the blow is like yes at one point it was Nevada it was Vegas and Nevada and then Atlantic City came along and then there was this wave of of casinos I think that came across regional casinos and across the country there's a lot of there's just a lot of casinos uh, in, in states whether they're tribal or commercial um that, that kind of led this interim period where okay, Gambling has expanded. We have lotteries everywhere now. That wasn't always the thing that existed everywhere. And even online lottery, which we haven't talked about, that's, you know, that's, that's ever expanding as well. You can now, there's now a company that you can buy a Powerball or a mega millions ticket that works with a bunch of lotteries. So you can buy online lottery tickets online, or they offer things that are like slot machines on in certain states as well. So there's been a, a constant move toward this 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 last frontier really is more adoption of online casino which i think i think frightens some of the casino industry because they view it as as cannibalistic to the to the land based product although that's really like in most of the states where it's been, especially New Jersey, it's been seen as a complimentary product that also helps drive, you know, retention customers that you wouldn't normally get. Somebody may not be willing to go to Atlantic city, but they might be willing to sign up for your online casino at home and they're not necessarily the same customer. So it's, it's been fascinating to see, you know, and you're right. It's like, it wasn't like a flip switch flipped with the online, but like that interim period where there was a lot of growth of regional and state and casinos at the state level kind of kind of set the stage for all of this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, if it's creating a huge problem with people as far as becoming addicted to gambling or something, I mean, it's kind of hard to know because the person's doing it from their home. And so, you know, how do we find out that people a lot of people are losing their the family fortune playing slot machines at home? Are, are you hearing any studies or analytics on, on that in these states that are allowing people to play slot machines sitting in their homes, whether truly created a problem or not to to, to the point where legislatures might become a, aware of this and decide you know what this wasn't such a good idea after all.
1: I don't know if it ever gets to the point where they would unregulate or or you know deregulate, unlegalize whatever. Um I don't think it would ever get to that point. But there's some there's been some studies for sure where we're seeing increased calls to problem gambling hotlines to all of that. Now some of that is could also be you know like this these are very prominent on a lot of these sites and like people who are gambling may not have known that these resources exist and are now calling that finding those resources because of that. We also have people who don't, who see 1-800-GAMBLER, which is the most uh, common one and just calling it for other reasons necessarily. But I think there has been enough research that we're seeing, you know, the, the, the wave of sports betting for sure has created some more problem gambling, or at least identified more people who are having, uh, problems with gambling. Um, and I, you know, I don't think that's shocking, but it also highlights, you know, I think a lot of states didn't do enough Around regular like, what should we do about problem gambling? Giving more funding to those things. Only a few states have really put a lot of funding or 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 focus on that, and there sh- there can and should be done a lot more about that. You know, again, even you know, like if states have done a lot to legalize just regular casinos, lotteries. There there's can always be more done. Um, I don't think anybody would pick out sports betting casino and say i have got to stop that, like, because uh, most of these states also have you know, are running lotteries that are, you know, maybe a different profile, but also have uh, come with responsible gambling concerns.
0: Yeah. Kind of plays into my theory that I think we should legalize drugs because there's so many things already <laughs> that you, that's, are legal that you can become addicted to that having additional options of things to get addicted to, I don't think necessarily creates that many more addicts. To your point, there's already tons of gambling available to people. The fact that you make more gambling available, you know, I'm not sure that that necessarily creates more, more addicts. We got to take our, our first only break and then we'll be back with Dustin Gowker from Legal Sports Report. as
1: well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share
0: our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.
1: Hi, it's Lauren the Better, and you're listening to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network.
0: And welcome back. We are talking to Dustin Gauker from Legal Sports Report, a longtime sports betting industry analyst. Uh, let's let's talk about the companies a bit and how they're doing. We've been talking a lot about FanDuel and in DraftKings. Uh, I mean do you, do you see i are, are, are they're clearly winning right now but let, let's just start with those two companies because you know we also are hearing though that they've been spending you know enormous marketing dollars um and basically as far as i could tell losing money in most of these states when they first launched because the marketing expenses are so high uh with the idea that hey we're going to turn profitable after one year two year five years you know i don't know what the number is but um Let's talk about those two companies first. How, bottom line, how do you think they're doing in the U.S. Uh, today?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, number one and number two for sure. I, uh, you know, I've seen recent research from uh, a company, an, 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 an analyst called Allers and Krychek that has said DraftKings, when you blend sports spending and online casinos, actually past FanDuel, which is. A little bit shocking because Fanduel's had a pretty big lead uh, in that blended category for a while. Um, you know, I think DraftKings, uh, you know, has done, a, like I said, a lot more marketing um, even recently. To, uh, not we're st- we talk about this like it's been around forever. It's still only five years. You should be you should still be in growth mode and not worrying about profitability. This is where I sit, even though these are, are publicly traded companies where uh, you know they're also pointing toward profitability. So 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 shareholders are are happy, but you should be you know you should be acquiring costs customers maybe not at all costs but at a, at a large clip right now because I think we've seen there's a pretty decent amount of loyalty once you acquire one of those customers and it's been hard for uh, anybody who's uh, you know second or third tier to cut into that or meaningfully do that now that's going to change uh, I think the, we have you know we've had wave 1.0 of fantasy of yeah you know, of, of sports betting is kind of over and we're now in the wave two, and now we have fanatics joining the, the party. party. Uh, we have ESPN that's going to bet that's going to launch next week, and these are the you know first really the two first companies that can come in and disrupt and take market share uh, and and do that. Will they? Who knows? But we haven't had disruption in quite a while. We had Caesars with a little spike when they did some aggressive marketing, and then they fell back down. MGM's been a pretty solid number three for quite a while, but hasn't uh, really shown any ability to you know at least in the sports betting segment to to challenge them for one or two and fanatics and espn bet are you know they're at least different and offer maybe a different value proposition And i think they that's for the first time we'll see whether anybody can cut into to DraftKings and fandles lead Uh, and then another one bet 365 which we hear a lot about absolute giant in in europe um is now you know focusing more on the united states can definitely become a major player in the u.s as well
0: so you basically you know in order to get players you've got advertising and then you've got promotional expenses, right? Where all these promotions that, that they do. So, as far as just casually observing as a sports fan, I definitely feel like I see DraftKings and FanDuel out there big time more than the others. MGM probably third. But when it comes to the promotions and what they're offering is, is are one of the companies offering more than the others as far as you know.
1: Uh right now, I mean they change all the time, so it's hard to say like I'd say DraftKings is offering more usually for as a as a bonus offer a welcome offer I'd say they're probably doing more on retention as well which is you know, once you have the customer getting, having them stay in the ecosystem so they don't leave you, uh, you know, making sure they're still betting with you. I think they're they're doing more of that um, than anywhere else, quite honestly, right now. So Yeah, I mean, do, do most
0: of them a lot? You know, I I know there's the first time uh, s- sign on bonus of a hundred dollars of f- matching free play or what have you, but do they typically also give you free play whenever you uh, reload?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, they, you know, these are, this is more, it's not as, you know, the, the sign up bonus, you can see, you know, what that is at any given time. Um, but you can, I think you see, you know, that's harder to, to put your handle on. But, you know, I think DraftKings and FanDuel, it's part of why they're doing well is because they do that retention. It's not necessarily every time you, you, you lose all your money that you're instantly getting a retention bonus like or a reload bonus but you know they're they're doing some of that and probably being a little bit more aggressive i'd imagine um, otherwise you'd see you know for people you know you'd see more of that handle and revenue drift away from them and uh, into others so I, it's hard like without having hard numbers on the retention part they're they're obviously doing more to retain customers than others because they're not really losing customers and you know they continue to grow uh, and, and with acquire with absolutely acquiring the new customers so
0: DraftKings probably still not profitable, right? I was just bringing up their their, their stock symbol and uh, showing a thirteen point five billion dollar market cap.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think I want I don't think we're gonna. We're about to get there about Q three. All these companies are going to report Q three. I don't think DraftKings. I think they're they're promising profitability next year. Um, I don't yeah. think they turned a profit in Q two, if, if memory serves. Um, but you know, again, they're you know, I think them as much as anyone is are focused on the long-term and it's like, this is not a time to just start cutting <laughs> yeah. uh, on marketing spend to uh, you know, they they have, I think they, they have some real momentum Um, again, as a distant number two to FanDuel, not maybe not distant, but pretty, like pretty far behind. And now they, they have that momentum where you definitely see that actually I'm, I'm wrong. They delivered profit in Q2 on an EBITDA basis. It looks like so. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's, I, I would kind of, they doubt in Q3 again with the start of the football season and, and all the promotional and marketing spend. There's a launch in Kentucky. They probably uh, hard to believe they're going to be profitable in Q3 as well. But I think you know, uh, long term it's their goal. But they're all, but if they're you know if they're getting to profitability while, while also growing, that's you know that's that's kind of the ideal, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. They've had an interesting uh, pass. They hit a high of seventy two about two years ago, seventy two bucks a share. Yeah, went all the way down to about ten bucks a share. And now they're sitting at about thirty bucks a share.
1: Yeah, they've been at that uh, like high twenties, low thirties for a while, which um, you know I think it's probably been a little frustrating for shareholders. But it's uh, like, uh you know. I think if they, you know, they've like, they, like I'd say Q three is probably good because again, I you have the you have these underlying numbers where DraftKings has you know I, in some in some metrics has ascended to number one again, blended on the like, casino you know, and sports betting. And if they're also going to be profitable for. For full year twenty four, on top of all this, then you know that's you know that's a pretty good business model, um, you know. And again, like I always harp on this when I do podcasts and things like that, or writing, like online casino is the, is the wave of the future. Like sports betting is a nice little business if you're if you can do it at scale, but online casino. Um, and DraftKings is very well set up to, to any, any legalization that happens the next five to 10 years, they're set up to, to capture that.
0: Yeah. And, and so the expansion to online casino, you don't see that necessarily bringing in some other player, because as we've said, DraftKings and FanDuel, they were all about sports sports with fantasy. So it was only a natural that they captured the business when they went to sports betting. Now we're doing a whole nother animal, which is full online casino. You would think that that would be more the bailiwick of a Caesars or what have you uh, or or even um, some of the slot machine manufacturers. Uh, but you don't really see this online casino opening up for some some other company to swoop in.
1: Yeah I mean again the, we, we, they can for sure there's other companies that can swoop in and again it's an MGM upper, overperforms in casino versus it's versus book. sportsbook again more it's more of a Casino brand, right? Uh, you you think of like what do you think? I mean, at least when I've always thought of MGM, you think of it as the casinos in Las Vegas. So that yeah. makes sense that it's it's that brand. There certainly can be be more of that. And once you get to a, even a larger critical mass of states, you know, if you introduce a New York, for instance, then you're gonna you're definitely gonna see, you know, a, a pivot in how people market and their focus because you're you know a New York online casino launch again mayor there's gonna be there's there's buzz about it, but it may not happen next year. That's gonna you know change the dynamic and and how. People spend and how people focus on markets and sports betting versus casino. Um, again, those companies that we keep listing are, are the ones that you know are going to, are going to lead. Again, Fanatics, who knows they you know they're going to have they have a casino next to it. ESPN, same thing. Although it's not a branded ESPN casino that they're going to have. Um, it's you know it's the Pen Pen Entertainments. Hollywood brand there like if they can cross there who knows but um, yeah it, the dynamic can change but again right now the the the, the story is that DraftKings and Fandle are, are performing just as well as casino companies as they are sports well ones.
0: I mean this business is mostly about marketing it seems to me I mean just like you said sports betting it's pretty much the same product wherever you go they've all got essentially the same point spread even when it comes to casino it's blackjack it's po- poker is all about liquidity so there's wanting to have lots of players right mm-hmm blackjack and the table games don't change slot machines those change but when you're talking about playing it on your computer as opposed to at the casino and you know where the box kind of matters and and how the the game is presented to you when it's just sitting on your computer there's only so much you can do with a slot with a slot game so it's kind of hard to differentiate yourself based on product so if it's if it's mostly about marketing then every reason to believe that it's going to be FanDuel and DraftKings
1: yeah. And then until somebody brings a will to the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to know it exists first, right? Before. And then, and once you get them in, you do, you know, I'd say casino products still lags in general, uh, even behind sportsbook. It's not a, you know, against what's in, available in Europe. The product is uh, inferior most places. It does not, it's not, you know, I've, I've been in New Jersey plenty of times and, and tried the online casinos. And like, it doesn't feel like a real organic experience like you're going to a casino. You, you know, if you find, get to your game and you like the game, yes, absolutely. Slots or check or what have you, but um there's there's still a lot of room for innovation. And that's you know that's where casino you can win in casino, I think, if you provide that, you know, this holistic experience where you're really enjoying being in an online casino and not just Getting to my slot machine, endlessly hitting a button and and and, and, let, and spinning the reels. Um, and you know, there's so much more uh, into the casino marketing and like what is what motivates a player to play, what motivates them to stay, what motivates them to come back or deposit. It's a little, it's uh, it's a, like you said it's, uh, when we we're talking earlier, it's definitely different than just uh, retaining a sportsbook user.
0: Tell me a little bit about ESPN Bet. What w- when when are they going live, and and is this actually operated by ESPN or is this a partnership with somebody?
1: Yeah, it's a partnership um, with Penn Entertainment, who ran uh, the Barstool Sportsbook brand, and then sold. They actually bought uh, Barstool Sports. Wanted to for several years, ran that as their uh, the marketing arm of the Barstool licensed sportsbook, and then they sold it back to Dave Fortnoy for a dollar uh, earlier this year. Um, and so ESPN is it's their licensing the sportsbook the the name to Penn Entertainment to ha- run ESPN Bet they already have the tech up and running it's already it's still running right now as Barstool Sportsbook and apparently within a few weeks we're going to see the launch of uh, of ESPN bet um we're not sure the product will be drastically different from what we already see but um it's one of the, again like i said it's one of the few possibilities of disruption because ESPN like, it might be too late for ESPN but ESPN is a brand, at least to people our age and maybe a little younger, and not not super young, but it's a brand that matters. And that you know, if they do a good job of marketing on ESPN channels and broadcast and uh, podcast and all of that, they can definitely acquire new users that that hadn't been before. Uh, some of the question is whether they can re- they can retain the, the customers they already had via barstool. Um, um, and it's not you know, ESPN gets a flat fee, they get some equity if they do really well in in pen, but. Um, there, it, it's still hard to see, do they, can they get, you know, their, their set of target of 20% of the market? It's, that's kind of hard. They're, they're coming in with less than 5% uh, with the existing Barstool Sportsbook. Is ESPN going to be able to take market share away from other people with, again, if they don't have good marketing and good, good player bonuses and retention, that's going to be hard to get there. And then, um, just are, yeah, do people, are people just going to say, Oh, is this really a compelling product? And is it different or, or uh, you need people to switch from a DraftKings or a FanDuel to ESPN bet. Those are a lot, there's a lot of open questions. I'm I'm definitely a seller on they're going to get to 20% of the market in like two or three years, which is their target. Um, But, you know, but they do have a chance of disruption, which is, you know, when a, it's, 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 it's an interesting product and, and brand from that standpoint in a way that a lot of other brands have not been.
0: Well, one thing I wonder about, does it mean that they will no longer take advertising from DraftKings and FanDuels on ESPN, Uh, broadcasts and ABC for that matter and it's all going to be about promoting ESPN bet if they went all in like that then you know it could make a Essential difference. I mean, yeah, it, it, I mean,
1: some of the mar- some of the commercial spend is built into that. Um, Yeah, it's going to be I mean, again, ESPN, Disney, the, the, obviously the parent corporation should be have a vested interest in, in doing that. But they're getting 150 million a year just for existing and license, basically licensing their name. You know, we don't know all the details of how it's going to be integrated into broadcast and the website and podcast, all of that stuff. Yeah. I, there's yeah. going to be I mean, a lot they- to see in November, or December of like how much they're trying.
0: Yeah. So, so the actual brand has a launch upcoming. It hasn't actually launched yet.
1: Right now it's in November. It's like, like I think they may even set a date, but it's supposed to be mid November. Um, again, right now the sports book is operating as barstool Sportsbook, as, you know, zombie barstool, as I like to call it. Um, the sports that exists, it's going to get the rebrand as ESPN. And again, probably, you know, get through ESPN channels promotion. Uh, yeah. Right in the middle of November is, is what the, is the latest we've heard from them.
0: And what do you think Fanatics has going for it?
1: Different value proposition. You know, they, they have a lot of customers of, of, of sports fans who, you know, buy merchandise. They're, uh, you know, they've given away jerseys for signing up with a small deposit. That's interesting. Can they keep those users once they've gotten the jersey or they're like, I got my jersey. I'm out. Who knows? Um, but they have something different. They have, And, you know, they have this relationship with customers. It's different. From basically everyone else, um, you know, I don't know. Like, does the Fanatics brand resonate with people? I don't know. People know who Fanatics is, at least. It's a, you know, you 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 again. You think if you've bought bought anything uh, in the sports world, you probably know that Fanatics exists. Uh, is that not as big a so, brand as
0: ESPN? I would argue. No,
1: no. But but you already but you also have a you know you may not have a financial relationship with ESPN, but a lot more people have a financial relationship with Fanatics, and again, they're using this cross sell of. You know uh, what we've seen at least a few places that you, if you buy something, you get you know some you can get some bonus bets or some or, or cash into your sports betting account if you want to sign up and you do that. So it's it's all different and hasn't been tested to to any to any degree. Um, you know they're big on we're going to have a better product than everyone else as as well. And you know they have you know they have Michael Rubin behind them and um, they're going to I think they're going to spend on marketing right. That's what would be better about their product. I mean, the pro. I mean, right now it's not, but they, you know, they. I think they're. They've said they're dedicated to the product. Again, proof is in the pudding there. Whether they can, you know, offer a differentiated sports betting experience that's better, faster, more markets, what have you. Um, again, it, more than just fanatics. Like what? Nobody's really iterating the sportsbook experience right now. It is, you bet, hear your lines and and go bet. Some of them are better. Some of them are faster. Some of better withdrawal and deposits um, and all of that and better bonuses, but at the end of the day, it's not really different. If you can provide something that's like more, just keeps us sports better there. And like, is more entertaining, you know, we're seeing a lot about around streaming right now and having live streams with low latency built into, into, into the sports books themselves. You place a small bet or make a deposit. You can get access to, you know, a limited amount of NFL streams or other sports. That's when you, if you can solve that, I think you have a better product and that's where I think it's all headed.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Last thing to touch on is I, I do want to cover price picks. Um, fantasy sports site where their big uh, uh niche is that it's not player against player it's player against the house and there's been legal challenges to that what's the update on the legal challenges
1: yeah there's just been a lot of news in the last month that it really uh been yeah basically where you can they, they offer what they call fantasy sports games but they're the equivalent of parlays against the house where you you can bet Two to three, two to, I don't know, I think up, upwards of six player propositions and combine them. And, you, you know, it's called a fantasy contest because of a mesh of, of federal and state laws. We've seen uh, cease and desist letters in Florida where they said, stop, knock this off. Don't do this anymore. We saw New York and Michigan recently, uh, post regulation saying that they cannot operate these as fantasy sports contests anymore. Um, they've grown into, you know, the daily fantasy category, which is what I started, cut my teeth on back 2014, 2015. It's now led by prize picks. And then uh, a couple of other companies, underdog fantasy and and sleeper are, are right there as well. But, all, most of these companies are now doing more daily fantasy business than um, at than least Fandle. And you know, I think DraftKings is, is, is still focusing a little bit more on on that. But it's been a very negative uh, time. And it's not shocking because they're offering a, a product that looks a lot like gambling. Uh, and they're saying it's uh, our legal basis for it is fantasy sports. We went through all this in 2000. 2015 and later with <laughs> bandola and DraftKings fought these battles initially and then passed a bunch of laws to, to make sure they were legal and regulated in a bunch of state places. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes because this is now big business. And especially in the big states, California, Texas, and Florida, which do not have legal sports betting as we sit here, there's an ongoing case where we, we might get uh, Florida sports betting soon. But you know, California and Texas are the big prizes. None of these companies, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel are offering their traditional daily fantasy contests, but they're not offering anything that's even really close to sports betting. And, you know, these companies are serving basically the two largest populations in the country and um, you know, getting users and, and driving a lot of revenue. And again, again, price Picks is pretty busy and underdog like are pretty big business right now as as we sit here and mm-hmm. um, you know, this wave of uh, of bad regulation for them is certainly not good for that business and, and what's what we're gonna see moving forward.
0: So, and I presume there are court cases going on involving price picks?
1: I don't think there's actually a court case as we sit here. There's just been a lot of regulatory news. Uh, let me get the, the only thing that's, it's not even a court case, but Florida regulator said, cease and desist. They sent it to the Price And
0: what did price picks do in these circumstances? Uh,
1: nobody left. Nobody left. Um, and then New York, same thing. Again, you know, we just had rules publishing, anything that quote unquote mimics sports betting and proposition betting, Basically targeting these companies, you can't operate as a fantasy sports company here. Um, one of them, Sleeper, which is one of the bigger ones, uh, did pull out. Prize Picks, Underdog, and a few others, at least as I, as far as I know, have not pulled out of New York. And there's other states too that have said the same thing, and they haven't necessarily like smaller states like Wyoming uh, have said the same thing. So it's, and they didn't pull out of
0: Florida either. You said.
1: Nobody has, as again as I sit here, I don't think anybody's pulled out of Florida. I think that's uh, it's too big of a state for them to do that. Why? What their justification is? Maybe they're waiting for actual court action or somebody to say or the attorney general to say stop it because you know cease to assist letter sounds pretty bad, but it's only you know it came yeah. from the gaming regulator, the regulator who doesn't necessarily have enforcement power uh, over that. So it'll be it'll be interesting that they continue, but it's just been yeah, kind of a last month or two has been a, a wave of bad news for that industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't think it's too surprising. I mean, the idea that fantasy could not be player against player, it could be player against the house. Um, I know it's kind of complicated the, the the laws in this area, but it's all based. Fantasy is legal because it's supposed to be skill based, and I think the skill was supposed to be outsmarting the other players and in, in who that you pick. And so, this is saying, "Oh, well, I'm outsmarting the house," but that's what sports yeah. betting is so yeah i mean the th- i
1: mean the th- there's a there's this push and pull between gambling and fantasy where you know the, the fantasy laws and the game of skill laws don't have anything about game of, uh, uh against the house or peer to peer it doesn't matter really you know the big one is the unlawful internet gambling enforcement act of 2006 where this fantasy sports carve out which is why we have DraftKings and FanDuel. They start, they saw that and like, oh, we should be offering peer-to-peer contests. It doesn't actually say you can't do it against the house. You know, it's a, if it's a "quote unquote" game of skill, that's the legal basis. Um, and again, most of the states don't have actual laws about DFS. Right, but how, how is it
0: more a game of skill to say over/under yards passing for a quarterback versus over/under total points in the game?
1: There's no, oh, there's no, there's no, there's oh, no, there's no difference. You're preaching to the choir. This is hundred percent gambling. That's using fantasy and uh, game of skill laws across the country to, as a legal justification. It's, you know, it's, you, you can, again, you could take, go to these sites and prize picks an underdog. You can play, you can do a parlay. You can do the same parlay at DraftKings, Vandal, or any of these sites. It's on, you know, player oh, Mahomes over one and a half touchdowns. Uh, you, you have right. to parlay two of I them. I mean, Look, you could make about, the
0: argument that that sport. All of sports betting yes. is a game of skill.
1: Absolutely. You know, you, but you argue but it's because way. it's called gambling, you can't. Because if you said, "Oh, I'm like," and you, you get this, uh, you get this little bit of separation because you call it fantasy, right? And you have the UIGA over it, the, the federal law. Yes, it's all, uh, it's all trying to offer a sports betting product under the guise of, of other laws. It may or may not be legal depending on how the laws are interpreted. In some places, we haven't had anybody say anything. Again, California, Texas, we haven't necessarily had. This is, it's not that clear. There's a game of skill. There's a game of skill. It's a game of skill. You just can't say, like, yeah, you can't say, I'm going to open up a sports book because then you obviously get shut down tomorrow. Like, because gambling is illegal in most states unless it's, it's formally legalized and regulated. Yeah. All right,
0: Dustin. Well, you're right. We should have had you on a lot sooner. <laughs> en- enjoyed the discussion. You are certainly knowledgeable uh, in uh, the industry, in the sports betting industry. So I greatly appreciate you coming on. Double down, and we'll love to have you on again soon.
1: Cheers, and if uh, I have a, have a Substack where I write about all of these issues all the time, closing line uh, at Substack.com.
0: Closing line at Substack.com.
1: Substack.com, or you go to okay. Substack and look for my name.
0: Okay, Dustin Gowker
1: from Legal Sports Report.
0: Appreciate you being on the show, and thank you all for watching and listening to Double Down. We'll be back soon with another episode. Take care.